Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Laura Byrne, and this week, there are two referendums coming up. What do we need to know? Now, you've probably noticed the conversation ramping up around the two referendums taking place in a matter of days. On March the 8th, the public is being asked to have their say in two separate votes. Now, one called the Care Amendment relates to removing references to the role of women in the home from the Constitution and replacing it with a broader recognition of the care provided by all family members. The other, the Family Amendment, focuses on the definition of a family, broadening it out from simply being based around marriage. Now, these two questions and the interpretations of what the potential changes would be are quite nuanced. And to make matters more confusing, the debate online has become imbued with misinformation. So today, we'll examine all of this and find out why these referendums are happening, what the yes and no options are, and who is for and against the changes. And to do this with us today, we're joined by our own team, news correspondent Orla Ryan, our political editor Christina Finn, and we're also joined by assistant news editor Ronan Duffy. Welcome all and thanks so much for joining us today. Now, Christina, to you first, you might tell us firstly the background to these referendums. How long have they been in the works for? So, yeah, there's been a lot of debate over the last number of years on these referendums, particularly the reference to women's role being in the home um, referenced in the Constitution. So even prior to it being inserted into the Constitution in 1937, there was a lot of debate about whether it should be there. But the referendum had been expected to take place some years ago prior to to this march uh, alongside the presidential election and there was also a referendum on removing the offence of blasphemy from the constitution but it was pushed out and uh, now the current government as as it is with the greens Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, there's commitment in the programme for government to respond to the recommendations that were in the Citizens' Assembly on gender equality and to consider whether we should be having a referendum on Article 41.2 of the Constitution. So both the referendums are coming after the recommendations, as I said, within the Citizens' Assembly, and they recommended that an article of the Constitution which deals with the family should be amended so protection isn't limited to just uh, marital families. And it was also recommended that the constitution be amended to remove a reference to a woman's life within the home and to replace it with language that's sort of, you know, non-gender specific and that recognises care within the home and the wider community. So seeing as uh, we are coming to the later end of this government term, um, last year there was a lot of questions basically about where this referendum was, um, when it was going to be held, and the journal reported last August that instead of having one referendum to deal with these big questions, the government was going to have to have two referendums separately, uh, two questions dealing with the issues of family and care. So that sort of brings us through uh, the timeline from where we ended having these conversations many years ago to how we've ended up now having two questions as was posed to the public now on March 8th. So clearly a long road to get here and a pretty considered one in the last few years, given the mention of the Citizens' Assembly there, Tina. So how was the wording then decided for these votes? Yeah, so this is where the problems started to arise, I think, for the government. There was a big delay, first of all, in the government proposing the wording. As I said, it was August when we were first hearing that there was definitely going to be one. And between August and autumn, there were constant questions being asked about where the wording was. And many groups are complaining that the March date um, that was being planned for was going to be very tight. So eventually the wording was agreed at government level, but they decided to not take the direct recommendations from the Citizens' Assembly. 
So now this has been a big bone of contention among many of the groups and political parties. Um, they would have, you know, they would have probably been a, a, a definite firm yes vote, um, perhaps had that taken place and would have backed the government probably to the hill. But instead, now we have political parties, I suppose, reluctantly backing a yes vote in some cases. So we have the Labour, the Social Democrats, Sinn Féin, People Before Profit. They've all kind of criticised the wording that was uh, agreed by government. Um, they even tried to put amendments down to the wording, but they were not accepted by the government. Um, and they've all kind of said that the wording doesn't go far enough. They're, they're reluctantly backing the government on this. So I suppose, as Mary Lou MacDonald said this week um, at the campaign launch for Sinn Féin, they're both backing a yes yes vote. She said that their party decided uh, we will not allow the perfect to be the enemy of the good. And I think that's where a lot of people stand on, on the wording as it was agreed. And this is because then of the wording. And as you say, some of the opposition, they, they really feel that it was rushed through and wasn't quite thought out properly. So, Christina, is the government then facing an uphill battle to win a yes vote here? Yeah, so there's been kind of a lot of talk around Leinster House about how this will all land and why the government decided to put this vote, particularly, I suppose, on the International Women's Day, because, you know, if if they fail on this, it's not going to be a great look. But I think where they're going to have the, the uphill battle in particular from people I'm speaking to would be with the family referendum and the family question. I think that will pass. Most people in the political party seem to think that. But there are questions this week about the, the care one and whether there are questions um, and perhaps ambiguity among the public about what exactly it means. So I think, you know, you have some serious figures and groups coming out in the last few days, particularly on that care referendum, questioning, will the situation be better or worse if it's passed? And that's not a good question, I suppose, to be hanging out there less than three weeks from polling day. So I think it has to be pointed out, I think that like, look, recent polls have shown that there should be a comfortable win, I think, for um, for the government on these referendums. That's that's the Irish Times view came out, that poll came out a couple of weeks ago. But there still seems to be a big group of undecided voters uh, where the concern is, and I've heard this said a few times to me from politicians, that old saying, if you don't know, vote no. That's their concern, that it hasn't been adequately explained. It's a very you know, these are complicated issues. They're big questions. And I think questions also need to be asked in terms of the uphill battle that the government faces in terms of preparation. You know, there's been a lot of chatter about the government being unprepared. And to be honest. And we've seen that when you mentioned that if you don't know, vote no, that has been an issue with previous referendums, hasn't it? And let's look at the care question then coming up on March the 8th. Ronan, could you firstly explain to us what the relevant article in the Constitution currently says around care? Yes, like we're essentially talking about two different articles here in the Constitution. They relate to care, but it's informally been referred to as the women in the home clause, as kind of Christina outlined. Um, and this is why I suppose 41 2.1 says the following. I'm going to read it. It says, the state recognises that by her life within the home, Woman gives to the state a support without which the common good cannot be achieved. And Article 41.2.2 says the following. The state shall therefore endeavour to ensure that mothers shall not be obliged by economic necessity to engage in labour to the neglect of their duties in the home. So, you know, as it stands, the Constitution give reference to a woman's life in the home. It says that that's good for society and it adds that the state should therefore assist mothers in not having to go to work to the neglect of those duties. So the referendum, as we're looking at, 
is about whether those articles should stay as they are or whether they should be replaced by something else. And um, we'll get to that now in a minute, what it means. But the reference to women in the home, as Christina mentioned, it's long been a subject of debate and it's essentially why we've got to this point in the referendum. And um, we've had numerous reports saying it needs to be changed. There was a 2013 Constitution Convention and then the Citizens' Assembly. They all argued for some kind of reform of, of the clause. And in many ways, there is a political consensus that there needs to be a change. Even amongst some of the people who are pushing for a no vote, there's an acknowledgement that there has to be some kind of change. However, the complication comes in the fact that it also has been argued that even if these uh, articles are perhaps a little old-fashioned, they do give some recognition to perhaps the unseen work of carers within the home. So there's been a reluctance to kind of delete that completely. And the difficulty has arisen in, well, how do you adequately provide for that recognition of care? And in many ways, that's where the debate still is. And that's the debate we're still having. And sometimes I'd say many voters think that the Constitution is just something that's quite lofty and removed from reality. But have these articles ever formed the basis for law in Ireland? As in, do they currently have any bearing on life in Ireland? I think it's it's fair to say that, you know, the power they they might have, it's probably more symbolic than actual effect on legislation. Um, you know, there is case law that suggests, you know, during divorce proceedings and, and so forth, that it's been relied upon to say, listen, there is um, a value to the work that a woman has done in, in within the home. But that's already been established within case law. Clearly, the article doesn't prevent women from having um, doing work outside the home. Um, there's been a much quoted judgment from former Chief Justice Susan Denham saying that it doesn't assign women a domestic role or exclude them from the workplace. And of course, we have a raft of, you know, equality legislation that, you know, perhaps says you can't discriminate on that regard. But I think you have groups like the Irish Human Rights Equality Commission, you know, and groups like that, they would have argued that even if it doesn't have, you know, an active effect, it perpetuates a stereotype about what women's role is within society. And, you know, that alone perhaps is a reason to change it. So the the early language, obviously, very much of its time, women in the home, the reference might have worked back then and, and consensus on it needing to change. So what is the proposed change then? OK, so with a yes vote, um, the two clauses we mentioned earlier, two articles would be removed and would be replaced with the following. The state recognises that the provision of care by members of family to one another by reason of the bonds that exist among them gives to society a support without which the common good cannot be achieved and shall strive to support such provision. So as you can see, what's been removed from those two articles is the reference from woman. And from those two articles, woman exists elsewhere in the constitution, but it won't be in this new part. The reference to home is removed from those articles and the reference to mothers. Uh, And instead, um, what's been brought in essentially is reference to family members and the word care is explicitly mentioned, um, which isn't there previously, but it's explicitly there now if this change is passed. And this is one of the bones of contention. Then why are people in favour then, Ronan, and why are people against? Because it is a mixed bag, isn't it? It absolutely is, is a mixed bag and it perhaps doesn't break down among the lines you would perhaps traditionally expect. And, you know, anyone who's been following the campaign over the past week or two will see that there are, you know, different groups, like different carers groups might be kind of split on this. And they have different reasons for it. So I'm kind of just going to run through them briefly. You know, those in favour of a yes vote, the referendum specifically on care, you know, there's a, there's a simple argument that the reference to um, women 
and mothers neglecting duties within the home, that that's simply outdated and that's old fashioned and that that should just be gone regardless of anything else. That's kind of the argument of people like the National Women's Council, those kind of those kind of groups. Um, other arguments in favour of its of its removal and replacement um, says that it is a gender neutral recognition of care, and that's a better reflection of where we are as a society. And some carers groups indeed have said that you know the very fact that care is recognised if this goes through, you know, that is seen by a positive thing by some care groups and perhaps is a stepping stone towards what the government might do in the future. And indeed, you know, some of the government representatives have argued that, you know, they will be obliged by the word strive that's in there to act in a way that will support carers. Some of the arguments against, you have people who will simply say that, you know, listen, women still provide the majority of care within homes all across the country. So, it's unfair not to reflect that. That's one argument you've heard. Some people don't like the deletion of the reference to mothers. Um, they should, that, should, that should stay. But a lot of the arguments aren't necessarily about what's being removed from the Constitution. The arguments are about you know what's going to replace it. And as Christina mentioned, there's been a lot of back and forth over the exact wording. I think you know we have Tom Clonan and a number of different kind of carers, advocates have kind of said that the fact that this proposal essentially recognizes that family members provide care to one another that's been kind of criticized that perhaps suggesting that it's on them and it's not on the state to provide care and you kind of let the state off the hook in some regard that's an argument that we've heard you have among some disability advocates and some disability groups have argued that the provision might perpetuate the idea that people with disability are a burden on their families and that they're not equal partners we kind of had a group um, came out yesterday, equality, not care, essentially making that argument. But I think it's fair to say, you know, as you kind of said at the outset of your question, that um, it's a mixed bag. When it comes to different carers group and different groups, there has been different opinions over o- over which way they should go on it. So, Christina, what Ronan's outlining there is almost uh, in line with what you were saying, is that the government has almost opened a can of worms with what it has decided to add in. And that brings us back to the political tensions around it. What action would the government take then if there is a yes vote? And then likewise, if there's a no, where does that leave us? Yeah, so this has been something that's been discussed quite a lot this week. So many politicians have been saying, um, you know, such as Holly Kearns, that it shouldn't take a referendum to make the government move on legislation or what might be needed to recognise carers and provide them with more supports. There's also been no concrete legislation or proposals that the government can point to if the care referendum were to pass. So, you know, in other referendums, perhaps we've had some, you know, key ideas and measures that the government have promised to bring in. But look, where we are at the moment is you know, we we can't we don't have Roderick O'Gorman having concrete ideas or steps that he's going to take. I don't think if that care referendum is passed, and I think that is a bit of the downfall for the government on this one because I think a lot of people, as as Ronan's Carey outlined, have a lot of views on this, and everyone just wants the the recognition and the care to be strengthened and, and not diminished in any way. But I just think that their problem, I think, is is that the government has not been very vocal on exactly the action that it will take other than saying this is going to make things better and it will give us extra powers for us to to start to take action. Um, also, I think you've had Roderick O'Gorman saying this week that there may need to be another constitutional amendment in the future that focuses solely on people with disabilities. 
and that has put the cat among the pigeons um, a bit yesterday because you know we're we're trying to deal with one referendum here and what exactly that means and the government are trying to bring people along saying this is going to improve people's lives and then to throw in the mix that actually this might just be a first step along the way I think it is a, is a bigger picture ask for a lot of people uh, and one I'm not sure is going to be adequately explained over the next number of weeks. It, it does really feel that referendums in this country can often be a little bit of a referendum on the government and then, you know, all the complexities that come with that. So we've looked at the care question and uh, a lot going on with that one. Now, Orla, let's have a look at the family one. Can you first of all, of all explain to us what the relevant article in the Constitution is currently saying around that? Yeah, so Article 41, 1.1 of the Constitution says the family is the primary unit of Irish society and the state will protect it. In Article 41, 3.1, the state says it will protect the institution of marriage, quote, on which the family is founded. So basically, these articles guarantee constitutional protection for families. However, and this is the crucial bit, they currently only recognise families based on marriage. Ireland has changed a lot since the constitution was written and many families are obviously not based on marriage, hence the call by some people to update the wording. So something that sounds quite simple, what is the proposed change then? Yeah, so in this amendment, there will be one vote on two proposed changes. The first proposed change involves adding extra text to Article 41 1.1 and deleting part of Article 41 3.1. So the proposed new wording for Article 41 1.1 is that the state will recognise the family whether founded on marriage or on other durable relationships. So the key phrase there is the extra line which states that a family can be founded on marriage or other durable relationships. And the proposed change to Article 41 3.1 is to delete the reference which states that the family is founded on marriage. So the new wording for that would be the state pledges itself to guard with special care the institution of marriage and to protect it against attack. So as in how we looked at the care issue, have these articles ever formed a basis for a law in Ireland and do they currently have any bearing on life in Ireland? Not technically, but they can have an impact on people's lives. And I think we saw that most recently highlighted in a legal case that was taken by a man who was denied access to a widower's pension because he was not married to his late partner. John O'Mara and Michelle Beatty were together for about 20 years. They lived together. They had three children. However, when she died in 2021, he applied for the widower's pension and he was denied it because they weren't married. So he went to the High Court, first of all, and he argued that social welfare legislation from 2005 was discriminatory because he was denied this. Um, And in October 2022, the High Court ruled against him and said, you know, they felt very sorry for his case, but technically he wasn't entitled to it. However, he then appealed his case to the Supreme Court. And just last month, the seven judges unanimously said he was indeed um, entitled to the pension, despite the fact that they weren't married. So this judgment was really eagerly awaited because there's thousands of families across the country who are in a similar situation where they're, you know, a couple is together for years, maybe decades, but they've never married. And then one partner dies. Are they entitled to the same things as if they were married? you know, legally they're not in many senses, but this course case said, well, actually they probably should be, at least in terms of pension rights. So Flack, who represented the O'Mara family in the case, has said to people who find themselves in the same situation to apply for the widower's pension and see what happens. So it still remains to be seen the impact this could have, but it could really change the entitlement rights of thousands of people around the country. So these are very lofty constitutional changes we're being asked to consider, but they do, as you say, have a a, a massive impact on everyday life in Ireland. So can you tell us, Orla, why are people in favour then and why are people against? 
Yeah, so the primary reason is because the Constitution, as it currently stands, only recognises families based on marriage. But of course, so many families are not based on marriage. And people in favour of changing this section of the Constitution argue that it will better protect different types of families. So you have lone parent families, unmarried couples, and families where children might be raised by a relative like a grandparent instead of a parent. People who are against the amendments have taken particular issue with the phrase durable relationships. There is no exact definition of what this term means. And even people who are in favour of changing um, this part of the Constitution have said there is a lack of clarity on this phrase and that's confusing for voters. And ultimately, it will likely fall to the courts to decide what type of relationship is durable. Is it a 10-year relationship? Is it a two-year relationship? Or rather than at length of time, does it depend on whether or not the couple has children or does it even have to be a romantic relationship? Are other types of relationships deemed durable? So people who are advocating for a no vote. We've heard a lot in the last few weeks. They're questioning whether or not throuples or polyamorous relationships are covered. Um, the government have been at pains to stress that no, those type of relationships are not covered. But in lieu of an exact definition of what a durable relationship is, there's an awful lot of confusion around there. And the no side are really pushing for clarity on what durable relationships mean. But there technically is no exact definition. And Christina, is this the more challenging then of the two votes for government, do you think? No, I actually think the real difficulty lies with the care referendum for government. As Ronan mentioned there, there are division lines um, emerging between groups that you traditionally wouldn't think would be on on opposite sides of the argument. And you mentioned Senator Tom Clonan there, who's a, a care uh, advocate, you know, speaking out quite loudly about why he's voting no on the care referendum. So I feel the government knows that it needs to be explaining um, that referendum a bit more clearly and, and where they're coming from. Um, on the on the family one that we're discussing, I, I haven't heard anyone raise any arguments politically as to why a non-married couple shouldn't be recognised as a family under the proposed changes. I think a lot of people, as Orla's mentioned, can understand the real life consequences that a vote such as this would have on you know countless families around the country. But I think the issue was when you know we first started debating um, these referendums in the very first debate with Roderick O'Gorman in the Dáil, it was it was dominated uh, by him explaining the word tropos, and I think that really didn't get the debate off to a good footing because you were bringing in all these sort of hypothetical uh, situations, and in fairness, people have a right to start questioning hypotheticals because that that's exactly what we're being asked to vote on, but. I think separately, I think the narrative about durable relationships, I think the difficulty that the government has at the moment is explaining that the courts will have to decide things like that, like what is a durable relationship. And that is causing some confusion. But look, it has to be said, uh, people often forget that in most referendums, um, when they are passed, it ultimately does land on the court's doorstep to clarify things and to put uh, definitions on things. That's kind of always been the case. But for some reason now, it doesn't seem to be floating people's boats about leaving the definition of a, a relationship or what that means, um, you know, down to a judge to decide what that means. But I, I do remember when, as you mentioned, the where did they come up with this Um this term, I remember when the wording first came out and I was speaking to a minister and, you know, even he was trying to explain linear relationships and horizontal relationships between, you know, families like mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and, you know, uh, husbands and wives. And, uh, you know, I, I even said, look, 
you're got, you've kind of lost the room there. Like, you know, you need to have, uh, you need to have a bit more of a clear answer. And I think the, the fact that the government cannot define what a durable relationship is not great from the get go, I think. And, and that's where I think they're, they're having, um, the difficulty, I think, particularly on the family referendum. But you're going to just say what I think what's interesting about that is, as Christina said, you know, it's been a while since we've had a referendum. I think it's been, been about five years. And a lot of the referendums we've had over the past decade, if you think of, you know, marriage equality, when you think of the Eighth Amendment, there were quite clear questions that people had in terms of, you know, this is the effect of this is what's going to happen. And especially in the case of the Eighth Amendment, we specifically had the legislation that would come in to replace it. So people are maybe a bit more used to that being the approach of referendums that we know exactly what's going to happen. Whereas Christina rightly points out, that's not usually the case in referendums. You make a vote and inevitably two people go to court and a court kind of decides on it. And eventually, you know, law gets developed that way. So it's not particularly unusual, but perhaps people aren't used to it and are forgetting that. This is a really tough sell, but it does seem like it. it's part and parcel of how this government works. Their communication never quite hits the mark. Would that be the case? Well, what I would say to that, it would be really interesting to see that as Christina mentioned earlier, some of the opinion polls that we've seen have shown um, that there's a clear majority for yes vote in both referendums. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And of course, in every ref- referendum campaign, things always tighten up as it gets to the voting day. But also, the question of engagement is very important here. And to what extent are people engaged with this referendum? To what extent are people you know, listening to all these debates? And I think among people who are listening to the news every day, reading every report involved in the news, you know, like ourselves, it seems like that there's a lot of debate going on about the intricacies of these referendums. Whereas the simple question about should we remove the reference to women in the home? Should we change the definition of families? You know, that might be an easier win for the government. And when it comes down to it, those two questions might be easier for it to be carried and we might see that happening. Uh, Christina, do you think maybe this is more of a reflection of maybe we're having this vote in a period of social disquiet? There's a lot of issues, there's a housing crisis, there's so many other things going wrong. So some people may be happy to use this as a chance to say no to the government on any level. Yeah, I think whenever you have a vote of any kind, I think at a particular point in time, uh, politically, you know, there is always the question there about whether people will use the vote to uh, you know, punish the government in some way, you know, they're both out campaigning for a yes, yes vote. So can, you know, the electorate send a message to some degree? But, you know, I do think people understand um, as much as, you know, the the debates can be lofty and somewhat vague sometimes uh, about the the end game here. I do think when we're, when we're talking about engagement, we po- could possibly see better engagement as we get closer to today. You know, as much as uh, I'm talking about, um, you know, the tight window between the when the government um, can get its message out there, you know, a lot of the time people might not engage with the, this debate. We, we hope they're engaging with this podcast right now, but, you know, that they might not, um, you know, make their minds up really until late in the day. So, you know, I think that the hope there is that, both sides, be it yes or no, will will put their case forward and people will decide on the merits of that rather than, you know, a, a, a quick chance to, to stick the boot in on the government. Well, I would say this is the exact place you should be listening to get all the information on this vote, hopefully, ahead of March 8th. And if we look, Orla, then towards March 8th and the nuts and bolts of referendum votes, can you tell us firstly about the Electoral Commission? This is one of their first big tests, isn't it? 
Yeah, so the Electoral Commission was set up around about this time last year, February 23, and it replaced the old Referendum Commission. So the new commission has a number of functions, um, including uh, informing the public about referendums and elections and encouraging people to vote. You've probably seen a lot of ads from them on TV or on the radio, online in the last few weeks, really encouraging people to get out there and vote. So the referendums next month, that's the first nationwide vote since the commission was established. So it'll be interesting to see what turnout is like and and general engagement in the next couple of weeks and, and vote voter turnout on the day. Now, there are still plenty of people who don't vote. I know one or two of them. And I'm always giving out to them around election time. But so how do people register to vote or make sure that they are registered to vote? So unfortunately, the deadline has just passed for these referendums. Um, it was last Tuesday, the 20th of February. However, if you need to check that you're on the register and make sure things like your address are up to date, you can go to checktheregister.ie. Unless you're in Dublin, then you need to go to voter.ie and you can use your PPS number to make sure your all your details are up to date. And, you know, if you have missed the deadline, obviously that's unfortunate, but it is a good reminder reminder to maybe register now ahead of the local and European elections that are happening in June. And there might be one other sneaky big election in this country. You never know, too. So in the well next worth little while, there will be a general election, too. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's worth registering if you haven't already. And they will be asked then to cast two separate votes. Is that right? So what can they expect on the ballot paper on the day? Yeah, so there will be two separate votes and in a bid to prevent confusion, the ballot papers will be on different colours. So the family amendment, that's the 39th amendment to the constitution, will be on white paper. And the care amendment, which was outlined by Ronan earlier, is the 40th amendment and that will be on green paper. And finally, Christina, what do you think are going to be the big battlegrounds then here? Well, I think the biggest battleground for the government at the moment is, as Rona mentioned, is the division between the groups and the organisations and the politicians that one might have expected to be backing government and giving, you know, an, an easy yes to. Some are not. So we've referenced the likes of Tom Clonan, you know, the Senator Michael McDowell, who has been out uh, very vocally on his position on it, and even the likes of independent TD Catherine Connolly. Um, you know, a barrister and often speaks on, on feminist issues within the doll and, and her raising concerns about some of the wording in particular. So they're all sort of questioning, I suppose, the government's, um, position and, and, and the decision they came to for the wording on that. And I think, you know, one of the biggest knocks, I think, for the government was this week when FLAC, the Free Legal Aid Service, expressed concern about the possible consequences about the care amendment you know, calling it uh, sexist and, and ineffective and their legal analysis, um, you know, saying that it was going to be you know, ineffective. And, you know, these are people, I suppose, that are coming from a legal background that people might give a lot of clout to. Now, it has to be said that they are, you know, supportive of the the, the family referendum saying that, you know, it, it's going to, you know, lead to practical improvements in people's lives uh, from diverse families that come within that definition of, of durable relationships. But I do think where the government has that big battleground is, you know, convincing people that the position of the yes, yes vote is the one that's going to make things better for people. And, you know, having those informed, um, you know, respectful debates with people that perhaps would be on their side and plenty of other issues, having those debates and, and getting their point across and why they think that a yes, yes vote on the family and care referendum is the way to go. And I think they might have some way to go with that, but we're still a few weeks out. Um, you know, we've seen politicians, you know, ramping up their appearances, I think, uh, be it local radio, national television. And I think that's the sort of, um, you know, action I think the government are going to need to sort of 
get their yes votes over the line. But we'll have to wait and see, I suppose, on polling day what way uh, the electorate decides to go. Well, we'll watch with interest as the vote takes place on the 8th of March. And one of the biggest challenges, I think, in a vote like this will be trying to get people to engage and come out and vote on the day. So we might follow up after that date and see how things have played out. Thanks so much to all of you for joining me today. Thanks again to Orla, Ronan and Christina for joining us today. You've been listening to the Explainer podcast by thejournal.ie. This episode was brought to you by senior producer Nikki Ryan and executive producer Sinead O'Carroll. If you'd like to support all the work we do here, head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber. And of course, you can always leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.